This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America, the smart choice for ID implementations. Put citizens in control with Get Mobile ID, fully ISO compliant 18013-5, and surpasses AMVA guidelines. Learn more at getgroupna.com. Welcome to AmbaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Amva community. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the AmbaCast, everyone. This week, we're going to focus on one of our current working groups, the Contact Center Working Group. And I'm really pleased to talk with the current chair of our working group, Miletta Spinner, from the Virginia Department of Motor Vehicles. Miletta, welcome to your very first appearance on the AmbaCast. Well, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So um, before we talk about the working group specifically, tell me why you volunteered to be on this working group, I guess now maybe a year, year and a half ago at this point? Yes. So during my career at DNV, I was started at the contact center. Mm -hmm. I was a contact center agent. I fielded calls and throughout that contact center has always been my passion. I've been with um, Virginia DNV for 15 years. So I've seen a lot in contact center. I grew in contact center. So I'm really excited to be on this group to have AMBA have a focus on contact centers in general since we do cut across the entire organization of DMV in Virginia. So let's that's a great place to talk about why AMVA and AMVA members decided we needed a working group in this area. Um, Tell me from your perspective as someone who was uh, an agent and then worked their way up to a management role in contact centers, you know, what you saw as the the challenges or the needs from a jurisdiction side from managing a contact center that said, yes, it would be great if AMVA could write, say, a best practice. Um, From what I saw is starting from an an agent and moving my career through contact center is that Virginia is um, strive to be a one-stop shop. Mm -hmm. And because we were a one-stop shop, contact center agents had to be fully engulfed, fully trained, fully involved in all aspects of DMV, whether that was driver's license, vehicle registration, complying your record, talking about suspensions and other things that affected driver's licenses, and any of those popcorn issues where letters went out of other departments. We touch every department within DMV as a contact center agent. We don't have one focus on a specific area. Our focus is servicing the customer. Right, and every everything that the agency touches, not not just drivers, not just vehicles, across the whole board. Yes, Virginia's aspect is if you call the contact center, you should make one call. Anything you need to go through Virginia Contact Center, no matter what department, what your issue is as a customer, I don't care if you have a toll or a ticket, we're there to help you in Virginia when you call us. So when the working group first got together and you started to, I guess, compare how a Virginia Contact Center operates versus these other jurisdictions that were on the working group, what was some of the early discoveries in terms of what different jurisdictions were doing? 
Well, some of the early discoveries were, I was excited that we were all, even though different states, it was a collaborative, we were doing some things the same. And some things we're doing and other aspects that were kind of different, but it still made sense Mm -hmm. as the business practice from state to state, how we operate. But what I was most enthusiastic about, like I said, Virginia is a one-stop shop. Other states want to be that. Mm -hmm. They would love to be one-stop communicate with all aspects so they can service customers. So that was very exciting as a group and how our whole goal was being a contact center agent, representative, manager, you know, it takes a special skill set and all of us are very passionate about our customers. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the undertow that shined through no matter what department division, we're all passionate about getting customers answers and responses, no matter what it takes. And and so the document that the working group is working on, at the risk of using the word working too many times in a sentence. Yeah, t- tell us a little bit about that. Well, how are you trying to, to tackle creating some sort of reference or resource for other members? So what we're trying to do is we know the Verbage Call Center is kind of um, in a past regards, everyone's moving to what we call a contact center. Mm-hmm. And contact center involves more than calls. It involves that first contact resolution. It involves reaching customers, not only when they call you, but maybe making contact before they even know there's contact. Hmm. So, what, what, is it, what does that mean, making contact before they know there's contact? Well, you know, everyone drives around and you need a friendly reminder. It's time for your registration. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't forget, you know, you got a year into your driver's license expires. You know, sending out those contacts as friendly reminders so customers can schedule their life and not feel a last-minute urge to visit us. So a contact center and a contact center, um, I guess, strategy, methodology, it sounds like it starts to include some proactive communications that maybe maybe for some agencies in the past were siloed, right? They had a communications arm that said, we'll handle texting reminders and putting things on social media. And the contact or call center was the reactive arm. Right. It sounds to me like you're shifting that philosophy to say you have to think of communicating with the customer more holistically. Exactly. And bringing that into one center where it can operate holistically, where, like I said, when the customer contacts you, that agent's able to have a 360 view of what the customer is contacting you for, not just a specific, oh, you call me, I'm just going to talk about what you called me for. And we're going to let you go. The focus of Contact Center is if you reach out to us, we want to tell you everything. We want to be that service provider that says, I know you called about your registration, but remember, coming up in a few months, you're, you're going need to need a new picture. You're going to need um, to do another service. Oh, and by the way, do you need to get an access to a port- portal? You know? Those things. So, you know, and then it'd say, while I have you, do you know we now offer? Right. While I have you, yes. Do, do you know about our self-services? Yeah. Do you know things that you can do that'll make your life easier as a customer? And go back and tell me more about this shift also from the phone, the old call center, to now the all the mechanisms where you can interact with 
you know, the customers. Right. So we're excited that, you know, there's new technology out there that we're able to explore. Some agencies have adapted to, and some aren't so certain on how they can adapt with their systems or basically how beneficial some things are. For instance, bots, Mm -hmm. live chat, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone talks about, oh, how great it would be to merge to that. But as we know, as agencies, there's a cost. Mm -hmm. And always you need to weigh the pros and cons. If we spend this, is it gonna be beneficial? Are our customers going to like it? Are they going to use it? And with this document, because of collaboration with other states, we're able to open up a door and says, yes, so-and-so has tried it. Louisiana's tried it. They're successful. California's tried it. It's been successful. So some hesitation for agencies to make the case to do certain things Mm -hmm. we're hoping in this document we've compiled enough statistics enough evidence to help states make the case where the expense is worth the while where we have the surveys out there and customers like it you know we are giving a launching pad where they can skip that step they can say you know review this in the document Here's the case studies. Yeah. Other people have adapted. We can do the same. So the, the the document will do that in the areas of, you know, shifting from call center to contact center, exactly. thinking um, how to leverage which new technologies and how to leverage them, um, how to have more of a holistic view of the customer. Um, the other area I would imagine, you know, because this is a challenge, of course, not just for contact centers, but, you know, well, honestly, the entire world right now, right, is getting the human resources, the employees to be the, you know, the magic behind the screen where you started as the agent. Is that something that you're you're scratching at in this document? Yes, we're going to look at different kind of recruiting models, staffing models. And as we know, thanks to the pandemic, Staffing models have changed. Different organization models are changed. Where we were 100% brick and mortar, we've been forced to be a hybrid. And how that actually works and how you can develop that these future staffing models that maybe your business practice has led you down a road and what you've been doing has been fine. Mm -hmm. But because of the changing culture, you're seeing some deficits and sometimes you just don't know where to go from a strategy and a business model. So we're giving options for best practices of things that have been tried and true that have worked Mm -hmm. in some aspects that may work for a different organization. Mm -hmm. You know, just some test pilots, nothing that you have to set in stone, but we're giving examples. Hey, have you tried this? If you're going to a hybrid, have you looked at your data and analytics in this aspect? You know, have you looked at your workforce management on the way you handle the calls? Is your average handle time actually your average handle time? What statistics are you using? How can your historical data and your real-time data help to drive this new culture that we're in as far as staffing and how people prefer to work? Mm, Which is changing every day right now. Exactly. You know, we love our employees. We want to service customers. And we're hoping to shift an aspect to more employees because We're in an age now of how do people prefer to work?
So what are some of the things you're hearing from some of the other jurisdictions or the research you're, you're doing in terms of that transition and that change? What is it, you know, what is it really going to mean in terms of the future of how agencies have to think about staffing and managing the human aspect of, of a contact center? From what I think we've struggled with and what the group agrees on right now is um, people's preference of working and what they're looking for as far as a career. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like this is a seller's market. We have to, we need people. We need the workforce. And because it's a seller's market, we need to kind of conform and meet some of those needs. Like when we're recruiting, we need to have recruitment options up front. It's no longer, we have vacancies. We need to say, we'd like to offer you a position and this is our path. This could be your career path. Mm -hmm. You know, come join us because Mm -hmm. we're doing this. People are interested now in what you're doing as an agency, mm-hmm. what their role is gonna be within your agency. People no longer just wanna be workers, mm-hmm. they wanna be passionate about mm-hmm. what they do. And as a business, we're trying to change that mindset and get on that strategy and build that culture and camaraderie where people wanna work. Now, um, this working group, had to launch during the time of the pandemic. Um, so this meeting where for those of you that haven't figured out, you know, we're, we're in a room together recording this podcast, which is exciting always to do in person uh, because we're out here. We're in Arizona for the first in-person meeting of the working group, even though it's been together and operating for some time. Yes. So how was the fact that you had to start in that virtual mode and sort of have these conversations and work without being in a room together. How did you find that experience? Well, you know, on the Not that we had any choice. Right, right? not that we had any choice. So, you know, of course it would have been a preference for everyone to meet all at once up front. But, you know, in retrospect, I think meeting virtually and having time to speak to each other in a environment that we were comfortable with whether it was you know teleworking or in your office it had the opportunity for us to have open conversations we got to know each other over the course of the group and then finally when we're able to meet in person it was like oh my god we're family we're old (laughs) friends you know I think working virtually took some of that awkwardness of first meeting and diving in so I, I think it was great that we got to start off in a virtual environment. We got to work virtually. We got to be on camera. Yeah. I, I really think it was benefit right. instead of on set, everyone's in a room and it's kind of like, awkward first date. Uh, yeah, the awkward <laughs> first date and not just the first date. I think we all were able to get our bearings comfortably figure out the document, know our roles, and feel comfortable with our assignments. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of better when you're, you know, I guess behind your keyboard and you can take like that conversation and it's not like the awkward, yeah, 
I, I think it was great. So now when we actually got to meet, we're all on the same page. It was a great meeting and it's kind of like we were all excited. So Now this meeting this week included something a little bit out of the ordinary. We don't do it all the time with working groups. Uh, just yesterday, the working group held a industry listening day. Tell me about, before we talk about what it was and what we did yesterday, tell me about the conversations the working group had that determined this is something we should do. Well, when we were putting together the document, we tried to draw from our personal business aspects and even we draw it from other states that were not a part of the working group. So we had a lot of information that we gathered and we wanted to make sure we were down the right path, doing the right things, and what we had was valued information. So yesterday when we invited our guests, mm -hmm. you know, we were able to ask those hard-hitting questions and get a professional aspect and know that we were on the right path. And it was a sense of validation to have the professionals kind of second what you were doing and give an opportunity where we were able to ask questions mm -hmm. and glean more education and more feedback and make those connections with people that are in the fields that deal with different companies, not right. only public sector, but private sector. Right. I think sometimes because we're state or federal, we lose sight of What's the public doing? Because our customers are the public right. and they mainly deal with private sector, whether they're paying the credit card bill online or checking any kind of secondary accounts, even though we're state or government, customers still want us sometimes to have the availability that their credit card company has, yeah. that their cell phone company has. And we have to try to get down that road, meanwhile, protecting PII and PCI, but we want the customer experience to be on trend with what's happening in the rest of their lives. Yeah, and those are the, you know, they're, well, the difference uh, is interesting because those private sector companies that uh, customers deal with, they're dealing with on a, I would say probably a more regular basis. Whereas, yes. you know, the interaction with a state government agency, you know, or a motor vehicle agency, you know, they're doing it when they have to do it mm -hmm. and not necessarily in between. So they become more accustomed to the behavior of that private sector. Yes. So yesterday we had about, I don't know, 15 or so, yes. you know, um, different uh, private sector folks um, from some of the most well-known household names to some very niche specialists, yes. um, all bringing, you know, some, some different flavor. Um, you mentioned that some of the feedback was reinforcing of where the working group was going. Um, what were some of the new ideas or the challenges that you got from interacting with industry that maybe hadn't hit the radar uh, when it was just the, the members talking? Um, some of the new ideas that kind of hit and that were brought to the front forefront was kind of like creating a, a portal mm. and kind of directing people to just one self-service spot in, in the um, 
trend of moving to cloud-based technology mm-hmm. and how omni-channels or multi-channels and all those other facets of communication can be tied in. You know, I think sometimes we're buying services and we're tying into our legacy systems and just to know that there's products out there that can integrate a myriad of things that we're trying to do if we're trying to reach people by email by text you know by chat live chat all of these different things that can be brought together fastened together knitted in one place that gives a whole holistic group of how your contact centers performing where you're not piecemealing things um another thing was You know, we try to focus on the customer experience, but with those technical advisors and the professionals, you know, there was a lot of highlights that brought to the forefront how to improve a customer experience. Mm -hmm. You know, we we strive for the customer to make that journey uh, from first contact resolution as seamless and painless as possible. But it was some things from the tech side that, we can do as an agency that not only makes it easier for us to track that makes it more comfortable for a customer Mm -hmm. like you said they're not visiting us once a month they're visiting us for a need that's you know every eight years every two years every year Mm -hmm. you know we want to make that customer experience as comfortable and seamless as possible and like um i was mentioning before anything that we can do to contact a customer in advance Mm. you know um i know we're a contact center we take inbound calls but i feel as a service to a customer we should be reaching out Mm -hmm. you know you get a reminder that says oh your bills due." it's just as easy as that in 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 your daily life why can't DMVs or contact centers be that same friendly reminder? Yeah. What, you know, it, when you say you know, your bill is due, one of the trends that I've seen over the last couple of years with the private sector is when they remind you that the bill is due, the other thing they do is they've increased the, the options to make it as easy as possible to pay as quickly as possible. With minimal contact. <laughs> yes, as fr- frictionless, I think, is yes. you know, one of the words of the day, right? Yes, yeah. and I think as um, DMVs or motor vehicles, you know, that's kind of one of our struggles. Mm. How to ensure we're securing your record, we're securing your credential, because, you know, we know there's bad actors out there. Mm. And we, as a state agency or a government agency, you don't want to be the cause of someone's personal information being misused. Mm-hmm. So with this document, we're trying to bridge the gap and show states there are ways to uphold PCI, to be PII. There are companies out there that will back you and protect your customer information Meanwhile, making the customer experience, you know, as smooth and protected as possible because that's what the public's looking for. They, you know, with times changing, people don't really want to talk anymore. <laughs> I, I mean, we've found that it used to be great. You know, I've been in contact center for 15 years and people would call and it was fine. And, you know, just as an example, during pandemic mode, we were inundated with emails mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, 
contact center was the only people that were mainly able to operate because there was no in-person visits. So we were inundated with calls and emails and um, posts on our social media. So what we tried to do to service as quickly as possible is take some of those emails. And if we knew we had to authenticate, we would call people and say, hey, we got your email. We're calling you back. And people were like, why are you calling me? I emailed you. (laughs) Yeah, I am busy. I don't want to talk to you. And it's kind of like, but we're trying to service you. But it, people want a response, but they want the response, how they sent it to you. Yeah. And we have to be on board with that. And we have to be prepared for those people who don't want to talk anymore. And what about the payment options? Is that something this group is tackling at all? The you know the traditional, traditionally a lot of government agencies have a you know a smaller list of ways to pay than say what folks have become more accustomed to in the private sector. Is that something that is on the table at all for this group to explore? We're exploring the payment option, and we're lucky to have a group member from California, mm-hmm. and California's. Um, just got some new technology and, you know, they're kind of like where action's happening. So we're trying to (laughs) get a hold and see what's going on, give people options. A couple of states are doing, um, if you reach the contact center and you say you want to pay, they're like, great. They text you a payment link. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we're definitely pulling those things and putting it in the document to show you can do through the portal. There's payment links. There are definitely options out there to make payments comparable to how people want to pay, you know, as just a regular person, you know, I'm spoiled by my Apple wallet. You know, I go buy a payment kiosk and I just tap my phone and I am gone. So we're definitely looking at those options as far as state agencies and DMVs, how we can offer that to people where they're just in and out because that's or even doing it wants. without without being in, right? I mean, you could use some of those technologies from you know the, the comfort of your bedroom, right? You exactly. Don't, and you don't need to not only do you not need to go anywhere, you don't even need to type in a credit card number anymore. Exactly. That's the pitfall. Now we um, also experience where some states do have a portal on the website. You, you're transferred over. I know in Virginia, you go to our third party vendor, and they're like, "Okay, put in your name, put in your credit card number," and I'm like. Well, I, I'm not going to get my credit card, you know. <laughs> yeah. I've told you who I am. I don't need to enter my credit card. You know, can't you do it through PayPal? Can't you do it through my Apple wallet? Yeah. This is where my things are located because as a society now, we take our phone. You know, our phone is our everything. You can have any kind of digital ID that you need on your phone. Why should we be asking for a credit card number? So let me ask you that question that I, you know, uh, been thinking about, because you mentioned digital ID. For some jurisdictions, the digital ID MDL conversation is in part that it's, the MDL is the credential part of it, Mm -hmm. but it allows an opportunity for an app 
that is essentially a portal to do all the business with the agencies. So is has this working group had that crossover conversation in terms of the contact center as a portal and the MDL conversation as also being discussed as a portal to interacting with agencies? I think that lies into that customer experience where we want to be a holistic place and we want to offer, you know, a complete picture where you're not going to several different spots to do your DMV business. So that's going to be a tough conversation and hopefully we can merge some of that together. But, you know, that's something that's on trend where holistic putting all of that together in one place. Yeah, and that's, I guess that's it's an interesting challenge for member agencies, you know, operationally what might have been two parallel tracks. From the customer viewpoint, it's all the way back to where you started, which is I want one place to interact with this government agency. Yes. And that's one thing with, um, we're gonna touch on technologies and trends and having those professionals in yesterday and knowing those technologies that can help us knit things together. So what's what's next for the working group in terms of the development of the document timeline? Now that we're going to put out this podcast, members are going to be even more excited and anxious for this. So how long are they going to have to wait? So we did get feedback earlier on, you know, when it was announced that call center is working on a best practices document. People were like, finally, things are happening. And then, you know, on the heels of a pandemic, one of the hot topics is remote working. Some people, agencies had never dabbled in it and it was kind of like a forced aspect. So we're hoping to publish an interim document within the next few months, Mm -hmm. fingers crossed, Mm -hmm. that will address some of the remote working aspects, that will address some of the technologies and trends that can help now that you have hybrid uh, models set up, how you facilitate what where people are you know remotes no longer work from home work is maybe because the brick and mortar is not there maybe someone's in a different area of the state Mm -hmm. you know remote has opened up so many staffing and recruiting opportunities that we're not tied into let's accommodate people that are willing to travel to brick and mortar Mm -hmm. we're open to hiring now in that telework sense. And you know, there's lots of conversations on whether we should be hybrid telework or if we're 100% telework. And I think within this working group and gathering other information from other states, we have good statistics that say 100% telework works. Don't be afraid. It's definitely your choice. Mm -hmm. So I think throughout this document with the best practices, we just want to recommend every option to agencies without, you know, the fear of will it not be successful? Mm -hmm. You know, because we as agencies, we don't have a lot of budget to invest in things that may fail. So it takes lots of time for us to pilot things and try things. You know, one as an example, 100% telework may not work for your business model right now, mm-hmm. 
but don't be afraid to explore different things. Right. And that's what we hope to gain from this best practices document. Whatever you're experiencing as a contact center, we want to give you information and strategies, make the case for things that are working in some places so you're not afraid to explore in your own agency. Excellent. We're not saying it'll work for everyone, but here's some ideas. Here's some ideas and you don't have to scorch earth and start over. We're going to give options, meet you where you are. Here's some things you can try. So safe to say an interim document with some of those initial thoughts, spring, summer, and then the full best practice, maybe uh, a year from now, next winterish. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. All right. Very good. And in the meantime, if folks are, um, in the midst of some of these conversations in their agencies and want to get some additional information, they can reach out to you, the working group members, uh, Patrice and Julie, who most of our listeners know are, are supporting the working group. I'm sure they can, you know, tap into some of those ideas if they just have a quick question because they're working on something contact center related. Yes, we want all feedback. Yeah. Touch us all. We <laughs> are excited. We want to talk to people. We want to hear from people. I know a few months ago, we hosted like a town hall meeting with some of the Anvil members. We yeah, send out an right. invitation and said, talk to us. We want to hear from everyone. We're a group of 12. We're from different states, but we want to hear from all Anvil members. So we are open to feedback. We're open to suggestions. You know, the document's still in work. If there's a topic that's hot for your agency and if we can fit it in, we are open to hear everything. Excellent. Well, Blaine, thank you for taking time to chat with me and for all of our listeners to hear what's going on with the working group. As I think we've said, we know this, like you said, people said, yay, finally. And so people are very excited about it. Um, I'm sure they'll be really thrilled to hear about the progress and the direction. So thanks for taking time to update us on what's going on with the working group. No problem. I'm excited to be here and get our information out and we can get more feedback and more response. Absolutely. Thank you all for tuning in this week. Thanks to our producers, Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Until next week, everyone, stay well. Thank you for joining us for AmbaCast, hosted by Ian Grossman, produced by Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin, music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.